Welcome to Vegan Hacks. Thank you for your attention, this precious commodity. Welcome to Vegan Hacks. I'm your vegan friend, Jason Cartalian. And over there in cyberspace is... This is when I'm going to supposed to say my name because last time I got some kind of guff for it. His name is Mike Keller. He doesn't have to say his That's... name. I said it for him. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I saw this BBC report, which I thought was interesting. I mean, again, it was definitely loaded towards meat eating. Maybe it was sponsored by the meat industry. You think the, the meat industry has BBC in their pocket? I mean, they have a lot of people in their pocket. I. I, I think it's almost like, you know how there used to be this thing called the fairness doctrine, which I really wish still existed in media, where you like if you present any controversial issue, you have to like present the other side of it. The world would be a better place if everyone, including like, you know, Fox News, CNN, they all had to present the opposite side of whatever issue they're talking about. Anyway, it looked this BBC report was like talking about the benefits of veganism. And then they had like as, as, as if like out of duty, they had to also present other side there was balance sort of unbalanced sort of? balance well we're going to play some of it and make some commentary so it's a real from bbc and it's called the hidden cost of the vegan diet there was one argument near the end i don't want to like spoil it but the thing about like subsistence farmers in developing countries it's the most salient argument they made and one that merits attention and as we hopefully transition into a fully vegan world, I think subsistence farmers in developing countries do need some resources and attention paid to them to help them transition also without it becoming like an economic catastrophe for them. How dare you spoil it? People were really, really looking forward to that big ending. Well, I, I guess theoretically we could just cut that little blurb and put it in the end. Okay. Here, here. Let's see if it works. During the last few years, we've seen an unprecedented boom in the number of vegan-friendly products. Look at all that plastic. Yeah, lots of unprecedented plastic on the ground. Yeah, so this is just a picture of all these different products. Products, but the, you know, the it's like each one has like four or five ounces of food surrounded in plastic. Veganism has truly taken off as a lifestyle choice as much as a diet, especially in Europe and the United States, although some communities have been familiar with the concept for centuries. They've been familiar with the concept for centuries. Are they giving a tip of the head to Buddhism? No, they were showing some Southeast Asian kids like at school in their school uniforms eating what appears to be like a vegetarian diet. This video kind of was a little off-putting, too. I mean, the whole thing is they, they had a, a story, which they wrote in text, and then they bought a bunch of stock footage to illustrate everything. You're a smart man, Mike Keller. Even giant fast food chains like McDonald's and KFC now offer meatless versions of popular menu items. I wish not, McDonald's did here. Not in the U.S. Maybe in yeah. the... So I guess the KFC in the U.K. offers a meatless version? So does it does here also, or did they discontinue it yet again? They discontinued it. Oh, okay. Like uh, like I've said before, Indian McDonald's has plenty of meatless stuff, even 10 years ago or whatever. One report predicts that by the year 2040, as much as 60% of meat eaten globally will be created in labs or made from plant-based products. 
Sounds great. We can be pretty sure that eating vegan is better for sustainability as well as being a convenient option for people who have compassion for animals. But are we That's us, right? Yeah, presumably. Ready to make such a radical transition on a grand scale? And could there be any hidden costs, socially, economically, and environmentally, to eating more of certain plants? So the title Every... card is The Hidden Cost of Veganism. Go ahead. Every radical societal change that has ever transpired has hidden costs. So in aggregate, the question is, is the juice worth the squeeze? Okay. The first thing to think about is carbon emissions. Livestock farming, especially beef, has a high carbon footprint. Animals release methane with digestion methane. and need huge amounts of land and feed. Cause methane is gas. <laughs> it's just, it's British for methane. <laughs> methane. Methane. Aluminium. Deforestation, as well as emissions from the production of what they eat. But there are plenty of plants which also make a significant impact in different ways. Oh, you see, they're saying they're giving the other side. Oh, plants are bad, too. Okay, so this is one of the least salient arguments because meat eaters also eat plants. And anything, any, any of these things where it's like you have to transport the plants, you would also have to transport the meat. Beyond that, to create the meat, you have to transport more plants to the meat animals. There's this dude, I saw it on YouTube. He just eats macaroni and cheese. That's all okay. he eats. What does that have to do with us? <laughs> well, I'm just saying there maybe there's some meat eaters that just eat meat. <laughs> yeah, but e even if that were the case, like all these things about transporting or uh, you know deforesting, they're all relevant to to meat as well. Meat is not exempt from these societal ills. A lot of times, a meat eater will attack a vegan saying, your vegan quinoa or your vegan vegetables kill all the ground animals and, and the fertilizer and the, the pesticides. And it's like, dude, everybody eats this stuff. It's, uh, if you had a French fry, I mean, come on now. Transporting fruit and vegetables by air generates major emissions. For example, importing Peruvian asparagus and South African grapes to Europe or North America. There is an awareness to the, I mean, where your food comes from. Obviously, it's much more sustainable to eat local and eat the local sure. food. And Assuming you don't live in a food London desert. Aims to tackle this issue by teaching people how to grow their own food and cook with local seasonal ingredients. One of the things we try and do is make people aware of the produce that we're using and introducing them to things that they might be less familiar with. We have to focus on produce that is seasonal and local and ideally organic. So all of that will contribute to a more sustainable plate. We know that of course a lot of people will be shopping in supermarkets where there is food flown in from all around the world and it's about having that awareness of seeing where the food's coming from, checking the labels, and we really believe that that is central to having a more sustainable diet. I have a question. How much of food is actually flown anywhere? That, that seems prohibitively expensive. I assumed that food comes on like ships. Is that wrong? That you can actually fly food somewhere? Unless it's extremely expensive. Well, I know a lot of the Asian food that comes from like, let's say, you know, Korea and China. Well, I, some of it comes on boats, 
But mm-hmm. I, I know, like, I mean, like when they get like sushi, a lot of it's right. airship. That's yeah. That that has to be same day fresh, and that's also a you know a dead animal product. But I would imagine most plants you know edible plants they they would come on ships right there was a restaurant in las vegas it was like a sushi restaurant and they would every day they would have a, a plane going back and forth to the west coast to get fresh fish seems quite wasteful on many levels yeah no it's interesting maybe a sticker that shows how it was transferred but then you have to factor in the waste of the sticker production Oh man, maybe a <laughs> sharpie, like a little uh, like an air, someone could draw an airplane or something. A, a metadata <laughs> QR tag. I don't know. <laughs> they can put it on the on the little label. Okay. Okay. It doesn't have to be a sticker. Jeez, so Jeez. demanding. <laughs> I'm just I'm just questioning. Other products with a high carbon count include mushrooms, which require a lot of energy to keep them warm. Then you have cocoa. That's interesting. That mushrooms actually, t- and and I, I can understand that because I went to a mushroom factory and a mushroom terrarium. There was a lot of energy, a lot of uh, to keep it at the right temperature. There, you know, the special machines were were made are made for mm-hmm. that. You purpose. could theoretically use solar cells for it because you know I guess weren't isn't the reason they they were able to afford a mushroom factory factory mushroom factory farm in Los Angeles because mushrooms are like high ticket items, right? Yes. So uh, presumably if, you know, they, they could put panels on the roof to offset the energy cost. A cause of considerable deforestation and nuts, which are some of the most water intensive crops on the planet. Uh, but notice it's about half. <laughs> also uses. Go ahead. Sorry, I, they, they, they talked about how nuts were the most water intensive, mm-hmm. but then they put it in a graph next to uh, bovine meat, and it was about half of what a you know the bovine meat was. So yeah, no, no, yeah. Even said, if it is bad, it's not as bad. Yeah, so it's liters of beef. water required to produce one kilogram of food product. Beyond that, you don't eat a kilogram of nuts in a sitting. You That's know? true. The wildly popular avocado also uses huge. The wildly popular avocado. It is avocado. It is popular. Um, it's it's definitely popular in uh, arguments against vegans. Right. <laughs> Not that like I, I guess I guess because uh, meat eaters don't eat avocados. Yeah, right? yeah. The only people that eat avocados are vegans. Mm-hmm. It's a that vegan food. It's a vegan only food. In fact, when you go to this market to ask for an avocado, they make sure that you that you don't have any meat with you in the same cart or they just won't sell it to you huge amounts of water and with its rapid ripening cycle planes are needed to make sure they reach us in time as well as the emissions from transportation another key factor to consider is pollution caused by nitrogen-based fertilizers the development of fertilizer okay so then now they're talking about fertilizers it's almost like they're arguing against growing vegetables now (laughs) and it's kind of a thing where okay yeah maybe growing vegetables are bad maybe we should stop growing vegetables that's a great idea you should just eat rocks maybe they need to change the practices of growing vegetables to make 
the more sustainable, not pollute the environment. But I don't know. Just I'm just throwing that out at you. Eyes has been incredibly positive for human health because it's enabled us to feed a lot more people than we otherwise would have been able to do. But in some countries, that cycle has gone completely the other way and you end up with a lot of pollution because we put nitrogen fertilizers onto the soil and then those nutrients are going to waste at the end. So they are leaching into the water supply, they're going into the air in the form of ammonia and that's creating air pollution. It leads to stripping the soil of its nutrients. Whereas... See you vegans, you're destroying the planet with your vegetables. What we could be doing is using the nutrients that are already in the system a little bit more efficiently rather than having to add them from the outside all the time. In world cities like London or Los Angeles, the idea of removing meat from our lives feels increasingly feasible. A number yes. of companies have developed plant-based burgers that bleed with liquids made from vegetables and legumes. Others use animal cells to grow cultivated meat in labs. And some firms have invented <laughs> steaks made with a 3D printing process. What are you laughing about? I was laughing that the guy had the stock footage of a guy looking at meat under the microscope. And I'm wondering, what are they like? Are they like, oh, let's check the cellular structure to make sure this is an accurate piece of beef? Like, I don't know what it was like, clearly staged for stock footage. Not just that, he was like looking at a, a giant hamburger patty. Right, yeah. It was just like, what well, you know, it has the two things in the name. There's a lab, which is most uh, exemplified by a guy with a microscope. That's how you associate a lab. And then there was meat. So it's lab-grown meat. And that's how like the stock footage producers like put it together. But what about parts of the world which don't have that kind of innovative technology at their disposal yet? Yet. In many African and Asian countries, for example, meat is a fundamental aspect of life on multiple levels. Meat is a fundamental aspect of life on many levels in Africa and Asia. As well as is this kind of a Eurocentric view on, um, I don't know, consumption or is this realistic I, I mean meat is a fundamental aspect of life in some american societies too you know i it, it, it is but it doesn't mean it has to be I, you can say that meat is a fundamental aspect of most humans lives right but for some reason they're singling out africa and right Asia. it i mean this is kind of a like you can't tell them what to do Thing. I don't know. It's like, I mean, I can't. But And look, the if we're to put a spectrum of crimes, like the worst is factory farming, which happens more, more so in the Western world. If, if we had to f gradually phase out meat consumption, the last person I would target is a you know, subsistence farmer who has a personal relationship with all their livestock. Of course, I'd rather they didn't, you know, I'd rather they do something else, but that is less of a harm to the planet than, you know, like Tyson chicken factories. Being a crucial dietary element, livestock production employs millions of people. Small scale farmers use their animals as a safety net against crop failures which are becoming increasingly likely due to climate change. Wait a second. If there was a crop failure, your animals are dying too. Yeah, who's going to feed the animals? 
that doesn't make any sense. Continue. Livestock ownership can also help improve gender equality in patriarchal societies. What? <laughs> <laughs> let's hear this. Let's hear this point. <laughs> no, no, no. He just threw that out there. Wait, While does he explain it? Eggs and milk are a vital source of nutrition. Oh, no, there was no explanation for that one. I can't. Somewhere between a billion and two billion people around the world uh, depend in one way or the other on livestock to sustain part of their livelihoods. This is like a collection of um, memes. You know, there's the pro-vegan memes and the anti-vegan memes. Mm -hmm. And this guy just kind of slopped them all together. And that patriarchal society as well, a little bit yeah, of that. I don't get that one. Okay, well, we're ready for this big spoiler conclusion. It's coming up, the one that you already spoiled. Yeah. No, it I mean, we've already discussed to think Hold on, hold on, I'll go back. Go, what'd you say? You said something? Or? No, I mean, they, they have already started talking about my spoiler. They're on livestock to sustain part of their livelihoods. It is inconceivable to think of removing livestock because removing livestock from their livelihoods and from their lives would mean removing a really important source of food, removing. Yeah, but what do they feed the livestock? What do they feed the livestock? The air? I guess maybe they eat grass and grasslands and. Yeah, maybe in some, in this, in this picture, that's true. They definitely, in this particular picture. In this stock footage. But most of the meat is, I mean, again, we're also talking this whole concept of, let's say, like indigenous or people that live off the land. In an urban society, and even, I mean, there's urban places, you know, in all these countries, you know, I mean, that, that's sort of a big wide net, Africa and Asia. Most of it is factory farm food. I mean, that's how most, especially people in urban communities that's where they get their food and it's not just you know i don't know maybe say sheep herders yeah i mean this is like i said before like if we were to compromise i would say at the very beginning let's talk about all urban people who don't have a subsistence need to have you know if you don't own livestock don't go to the grocery store and buy it okay i'm gonna keep going being a really important source of income a really important financial asset which they can rely upon in times of emergency, it would mean removing something that provides them fertilization for their crops. It's also got a cultural and social function. So you're not just- So fertilization for their crops and then some kind of culture and also cultural needs. Yeah, I do wonder, you know, if, if the whole world, if and when, fingers crossed, the whole world goes vegan and all we eat are plants, uh, will there be a fertilizer shortage? Because generally, you know, fertilizer is animal poop. And if we're not cultivating billions of animals, where will we get fertilizer? And if, unless it's like, you know, synthetic lab made fertilizer, which I, as didn't they say, it's a little less beneficial for the environment. This is a quite, you know, we, we're not there yet that we have this issue. But uh, if this video does get one thing right, it's that any sea change in human society is going to cause unexpected consequences and they do have to be planned for and dealt with removing one thing you're removing a whole spectrum of services uh, and values that livestock provide 
and that cannot be easily plugged or replaced with something else. So, it feels like predictions about mass veganism on the horizon may be a little premature. It's an option that those of us who live in more highly developed countries are fortunate enough to have. A recent study in the UK indicated that plant-based diets are 40% cheaper than meat and fish. Thank you. Yeah, unless you buy the products. <laughs> right, right. But still, th- like every, you know, the, thank you for that one because uh, all we hear is only rich people can afford to be vegan. Like, There's some brand. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's, I just mumbled. It's not true. <laughs> and fish, although some brands or products may not be affordable for all families, experts say there is a health distinction between organic and factory farmed meat, which is important to remember. They're distinguishing between factory farm and organic. Is there really a health difference? I, I mean, perhaps marginal, but like beef is bad for you and it causes heart attacks, heart attacks no matter what, whether it's organic and grass fed. And the, yeah, so but but there's uh, health wise could be also be people that live in a community where like there's all this like they're spraying the 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 pigs with like feces and all sorts of you know there, there's definitely some biological issues that come from the factory farm situation meat has been the focus of this video but let's not forget that dairy is also a crucial part of cuisine in many dairy is a, a crucial part of cuisine <laughs> okay cultures eating more plants is a powerful tool for tackling climate change. But experts suggest we also need to develop more sustainable livestock production models rather than simply calling to eliminate it altogether. Eliminate it. Yes. Eliminate it altogether. You can, if you have to, you know, keep developing lab meat. There's also, didn't didn't you find a milk that was made in, you know, actual cow type milk made without cows? That's right. It already exists, so all your beloved cheeses could still... Real cheese made with real milk could uh, still exist without any suffering. We need to think about using the land the best way that we can. But if we all eat less meat, there's more land to do different things with. So there would be land for grazing some livestock. There would also be land for growing crops and there would be land for rewilding, which would also improve our biodiversity. So Mm. if people just eat a little bit less, then we have more options. Meanwhile, there's a regulatory minefield of rules around the safety and labeling of cultivated meat, with products expected to hit supermarket shelves in 2023. How do synthetic hamburgers compare to the real deal? And will people be open to trying them? We'll leave that one up to you to decide. There was like a scientist eating a hamburger with rubber gloves. <laughs> <laughs> the worst dog food. Let me try my product. <laughs> okay, so that was BBC, the hidden cost of a vegan diet. We learned about, we learned something today. What did we learn? We lived, we learned. <laughs> We laughed. We cried. I mean, I do feel that they brought up some interesting. No, they, they brought up, up some interesting points in somewhat of a hokey, boomerish way. 